Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. You weren't expecting that, were you? I typically start each podcast with me playing a tune, which I like doing, but this week you heard a little ditty that I improvised as a possible theme song. Yes, you heard that correctly. A theme song. Okay, here's the deal. I just got back from Orlando, Florida, where I was attending a podcast convention, PodFest 2020. I know, right? I had no idea how big the podcasting industry has become. And I was invited to attend, and uh, I thought I'd take advantage of that invitation, that opportunity, and went down to Orlando thousands, I'm, I'm not kidding you, thousands of podcasters from around the world gathered in Orlando, Florida to share ideas with one another and to learn from one another. It was fabulous. I had a great time. Now, one of the things that everyone was telling me while I was attending PodFest 2020 was that I needed to actually write and come up with my own theme song, kind of like Johnny Carson. <laughs> so, so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be experimenting with some different ideas for a jazz piano skills theme. Who knows, right? I may go back to playing a tune. I have no idea. So bear with me as I experiment and try to figure out what works best. If you have any ideas or suggestions, please let me know. You can email me at drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com or what the heck, give me a call. Call me at my office here at the Dallas School of Music. The number 972-380-8050. My extension is 211. That number again is 972-380-8050, extension 211. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, let me know. Don't be shy. I also discovered at PodFest 2020, I just love saying that, right? It sounds pretty cool. PodFest 2020. I learned that I needed, that I need to have a YouTube channel. So I'm in the process of getting that up and going as well. Now, my YouTube channel is going to be quite different than what is currently saturating YouTube in the jazz piano world. I'm not going to play demonstrations with keyboards that light up, that actually don't sync with my hands, that move way too fast for anyone to learn from or get anything from. No, there's way too much of that nonsense out there, which is one of the reasons why I've avoided YouTube up to this point. So while at PodFest 2020, uh, I talked to several folks and learned quite a bit about YouTube and the right way to do it. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to move forward forward with that idea. And so my, my YouTube channel, the, the videos there will be quick, four to five minute talks on the do's and don'ts of studying a specific jazz piano skill. I will be recording the video, the talk, from my beautiful office here at the Dallas School of Music and publishing it to my channel weekly, just like I do with my Jazz Piano Skills podcast. So I'm excited, right? PodFest 2020 was very beneficial, met some great new friends, and have a few new ideas to experiment with to help you discover, learn, and play jazz piano. 
So again, as I play around with jazz, uh, jazz Piano Skills theme song and launch my Jazz Piano Skills YouTube channel, let me know your thoughts. Email me, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com or give me a call, 972-380-8050, extension 211. Before jumping into this week's lesson, I want to remind you that there is a supplemental educational guide available for this podcast. I develop one for each of my podcast lessons because many of you are visual learners. I am too. And the uh, supplemental guides musically notate the jazz piano skill being explored in the podcast and does so in all 12 keys. Definitely a great resource to add to your jazz piano educational materials and the supplemental guides can be easily downloaded from jazzpianoskills.com. Once you get onto the site, click on the podcast link in the menu bar that runs across the top of the page, and you will then see all of the Jazz Piano Skills podcast episodes along with the download links for each of the supplemental guides. The supplemental guide is available for the first week at a 50% discount. So instead of the incredible price of $5, right? Which is a great bargain. You can grab it for $2.50 during the first week. So uh, it's just, again, my way of saying thank you for being a Jazz Panel Skills podcast listener. And I'll provide you with some more information regarding this supplemental guide for this podcast at the end of this podcast. Also, I want to remind everyone that the Jazz Panel Skills forums uh, are up and live and ready for action. I have created a dedicated forum for each podcast episode and for each one of my Jazz Panel Skills courses. It's a fantastic way for all of us to interact and engage with one another. And I want to encourage all of you to register and join and begin engaging with one another. My hope is to establish a community of people wanting to discover, learn, and play jazz piano together. Right? So go to jazzpianoskills.com, click on the forums link in the menu bar that runs across the top of the page, and you will be taken to the forums. Register. I look forward to interacting with you and getting to know you, as well as making some new friends. If you have not checked out my Jazz Piano Skills courses, I want to encourage you to take just a few minutes to do so. The courses provide you with exceptional educational content in a learning environment that is beautiful. It's aesthetically pleasing and incredibly instinctually easy to use. I'm very proud of the course format and structure. They're fantastic. They move you beyond academic theory and towards the practical application and mastery of essential jazz piano skills needed for performance. These courses are pretty intense, but they are um, they use a self-paced format that provides you with a thorough and comprehensive exploration of a specific jazz piano skill and does so uh, all the courses explore that jazz piano skill specific skill in all 12 keys uh, and for all five sounds for major dominant minor half diminished and diminished and again uh, visit jazzpianoskills.com click on the courses link in the menu bar and uh, it will take you to the page where the courses and the curriculum, the entire curriculum 
uh, is outlined for you to, to check out. So again, I'll provide you with some additional information regarding the, the courses at the end of this podcast. Finally, I want to stress um, that regardless of where you are in your jazz journey, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a beginner or you're an intermediate player, an experienced, advanced player, or, or even a professional jazz pianist, you will find this podcast, this lesson, to be beneficial. So this week, we are going to continue our exploration of two-handed voicings, part two. And in this lesson, you are going to discover secondary two-handed voicings used by jazz pianists when playing behind another instrumentalist or vocalist, or to add harmonic interest and movement when soloing. You are going to learn how to construct five-note voicings with two notes in your left hand, three notes in your right hand, and you are going to play two secondary five-note voicings for major, dominant, minor, half-diminished, and diminished chords. I'm using the word secondary because last week in Two-Handed Voicings Part 1, I outlined and presented the two-handed voicings, the primary two-handed voicings. This week, the secondary two-handed voicings. I also mentioned last week the importance of studying voicings and that probably the study of voicings is the most complicated and confusing of all jazz piano skills. And as I explained last week, um, the reason being is it's just because voicings are taught so poorly, right? My goodness, I, I have voicing book after voicing book after voicing book that that are packed with tons of information that honestly overwhelms you, especially if you're just starting out and looking at voicings. The information, the data overwhelms you. And actually, along the same lines, the data is simply impossible to decipher or understand. Once you try to discover the approach or method being used to construct these voicings that are presented in all these books, you quickly realize that there's not an approach or method or system at all that is being presented. What you actually discover is that what is being present, presented is simply data. So as I said last week, the books in essence shovel a lot of data out to you, but you as a student, who are wanting to learn and play jazz piano, you know that you need much more than just simply data, right? The data needs to be taught and it needs to be presented in such a way that you can actually absorb it, digest it, and apply it. And unfortunately, that's not the case with all these voicing books that are out there on the market. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a few good ones. And I mean a few good ones. The majority of them literally fall into the category that I just described of just shoveling data out to you and not really presenting to you a way to construct, to study, 
and to apply the information. So the facts are, or the odds are, when you go to buy a jazz piano book, you're going to end up buying a bunch of data. So my challenge today is to practice what I preach. It's to teach you two-handed voicings. Not to just give you a bunch of data, but to actually teach you two-handed voicings. And to do so in such a way that your thoughts do not become all tangled up like fishing line. That I need to teach you in such a way that after listening to this podcast on two-handed voicings, and of course last week's podcast on two-handed voicings, that you walk away going, I get it. This makes sense. That you walk away not frustrated. And in fact, you feel as if you truly understand how to construct these voicings. And not only do you have a way to construct the voicings, right, that you also feel that you actually have a way to manage the information. You have a way to control it. You have a way to practice it, right? So it's just not useless data. It's something that you can do something with, right? I mentioned last week too that, you know, data that cannot be managed or interpreted or systematically practiced is just useless data. So at the end of this podcast, I want you to feel as if you have now a method, an approach, a system for constructing real jazz voicings and a way to practice them so that you can begin incorporating them into your playing. When you're playing standards, when you're playing with a group, or when you're just playing solo by yourself. I want you to know and feel that you can do this because you can. So let's do this, right? Let's jump in. Let's discover, learn, and play Two-Handed Voicings, Part 2. So sit back, relax, turn on those ears. Here we go. Okay, first and foremost, all voicings today, all voicings last week, that are played across both hands consist of five notes and five notes only. Let me say that again. All voicings today, all voicings last week that are played across two hands consist of five notes and five notes only. I play two notes in my left hand and I play three notes in my right hand. Always. These are my musical facts. Two-handed voicings consist of five notes, two in the left, and three in the right. All of my two-handed voicings subscribe to this formula. Now, of course, are there other ways to approach voicings? Yes. But I'm teaching you my way. I'm not teaching you other ways. I'm teaching you how I play. Five notes, two in the left, three in the right. Okay, so major voicings. Let's attack our secondary voicings for ma the major sound, for the major chord. Option one, in your left hand, you're going to play the note D and the note G. Perfect fourth. In your right hand, you're going to play the notes C, E, 
and A. When we strike that all together, we get this sound. It's pretty, right? If I put C, I'm gonna play C in the bass like a bass player would play. Nice. So what I have here, D is my second or my ninth, G is my fifth, in my right hand, I have C, which is the root, E, the third, and A, the sixth, or the thirteenth. Very nice. My secondary option for major, I start with A in my left hand, and D. In my right hand, I play the notes G, B, and E. So I get this sound. If I put C down in the bass so you get an idea on that. Very pretty. So what I have in my left hand, I have A, which is the six. I have D, which is my second or my ninth. In my right hand, I have G, which is the fifth, B, the seventh, and E, the third. Nice. So secondary option one is this, D, G, C, E, A. Secondary option two for major is this, a, D, G, B, E. So now, let's take a listen. Let's see how these two secondary options sound in a musical context. Check it out. As you can tell, I'm not trying to get fancy in these demonstrations. I'm trying to make it very obvious as I'm shifting from option one to option two. I want you to hear clearly here secondary option one and secondary option two. So in all my demonstrations throughout this podcast, I'm going to try to keep things very uh, simple, very simple and very obvious for you. Okay, so now let's move on to the dominant sounds, the dominant chord. Secondary option one. I begin with E in my left hand, E in my left hand, and B flat. 
and in my right hand, I have E flat, A flat, and D flat. So when I strike it together, it sounds like this. Let me put C down in the bass. Wow, very rich. So let me tell you what we have. The E and the B flat in the left hand is the third and the seventh. In my right hand, the E flat, A flat, and D flat. The E flat is my sharp nine. My A flat is my sharp five. And my D flat is my flat nine. So it's a fully altered dominant sound. Again, very full, very rich. My secondary dominant option, I invert my third and seventh in the left hand. So now I have B flat and E. So my B flat, the seventh, is on the bottom. My E, the third, is on top. And then in my right hand, I have the notes A flat, D flat, and G flat. So when I strike it together, it sounds like this. Nice. I'm going to put C down in the bass so you can hear it in, in a context there. Wow. Love that sound. So um, what again we have, you know, that we have the seventh and third in the left hand. And in the right hand, an A flat is a sharp five. The D flat is a flat nine. And the G flat is a flat five. So. Option one for dominant. Secondary option one. Secondary option two. Option one. Option two. Wow. So now, let's sit back and listen and see how these altered dominant options sound. Check it out. Very nice. I don't even know what to say other than that, man. Wow. Those are great sounds. Now, you know what? Some of these secondary voicings, I will say this. Some of these secondary voicings, upon first hearing, might sound like they're packed full of tension. And they are. M many of my secondary voicings create, intentionally create tension, and then I can relieve that tension by sliding back into one of the primary options. 
And in fact, at the end of, of all the demonstrations, the last demonstration I'm gonna to do today is where I do that. I bring in the primary voicings and I'm gonna have the secondary voicings. I'm gonna show you how I utilize those two to create harmonic movement and interest in creating tension and resolution. And I'm gonna do so behind um, a soloist. So that's coming, that's coming at the end. For now, let's move forward to our minor voicings and check out the secondary options for the minor sound. So in my left hand for minor, and by the way, I'm doing these all for the C, in the C family, right? C major, C dominant, C minor, C half diminished, and C diminished. So I wanna make that clear, I'm using C. So now for C minor, in my left hand, I'm gonna start with the notes D and G. And in my right hand, I'm going to play uh, C, F, and A. So when I strike it all together, I get this sound. Beautiful. So now what I have in my left hand, I have the D, right, which is the second or the ninth. I have a G, which is the fifth. In my right hand, I have C, which is the seventh. I have F, which is the fourth or the eleventh. And I have A, which is the sixth or the thirteenth, right? So again, if I put C down in the bass, okay, that's secondary option one. Now, secondary option two. I start with A in the left hand and then D. And in the right hand, I have G, C, and F. So when I strike it together, really nice sound. Let me put C down here in the bass. Really pretty. So what I have going on here, I have the A, which is the sixth or 13th. I have D, which is the second or the ninth. In my right hand, the G is the fifth, C is the root, and F is the fourth or the eleventh. So my two options, again, secondary options, option one, option two. Option one, oh, I'm sorry, and option two. So now, let's take a listen. Let's see how these two minor secondary options sound in a musical context. Here we go.
Very nice. Very nice. Now, the half diminished. Here we go. The half diminished and diminished really concentrate. Put on your ears. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> These get fun. So, um, half diminished. So in my left hand, I am going to start with B flat and E flat. This is C half diminished, by the way. So I got a B flat and an E flat. And in my right hand, I have A flat, D flat, and F. So when I play together, very nice. Now let me put C down here in the bass for C half diminished. Whew, nice sound. So what I have going on here, the B flat is a seventh in my left hand. B flat, the seventh, E flat, the third. In my right hand, A flat, the sixth or the thirteenth, D flat, the second or the ninth, and then my F up on top, which is the fourth or the eleventh. Okay, now, secondary option two. I'm going to start with F in my left hand and B flat. And in my right hand, I'm going to play E flat, A flat, and D flat. So I get this. Let me put C in the bass. A little tension in there, right? But keep in mind, it's going to resolve. So what I have going on here, I have F in the left hand, which is my fourth or my 11th. I have B flat, which is my seventh. In my right hand, I have E flat, which is the third. I have A flat, which is my sixth or 13th. And then I have my D flat up on top, which is my second or my ninth. So there's option two. Option one, option two, option one, option two. Nice. So now let's hear these half diminished secondary options in a musical context. Let's see how they sound. Check it out. They sounded a lot better than you thought they were, were going to, didn't they? Right? 
when I first presented him in isolation to you, you probably heard a lot of tension in there. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't, I'm not thinking, I don't think I dig those. But when you start hearing them in context, you go, wait a minute, those sound pretty good. And actually wait till I model these and demonstrate these voicings when I bring in the primary voicings to utilize alongside with them, the primary and secondary together. Then you're really going to enjoy the sound. Okay. So now the diminished voicing, and it gets a little weird here. So pay attention, and this is gonna require you to think through this and listen to this podcast a couple times and to kind of scratch through it on your own using pencil and paper as well, okay? So here we go. Secondary option for my diminished chord in my left hand, I'm gonna start with C sharp and F sharp. And in my right hand, I'm gonna play B, E, and G sharp. So I get this. Wow. And this, keep in mind, this is for C diminished, right? Which is weird. I'm, I'm C diminished and I start with C sharp. And then I have an F sharp in my left hand, and then a B in my right hand, followed by an E and a G sharp. So what do we have going on here? Well, the C sharp is like the second or the ninth of the scale. The G sharp, I mean, I'm sorry, the F sharp is the fifth in the diminished scale. And by the way, the diminished scale that I'm using for those of you that are familiar with modes, this is the seventh mode of the harmonic minor scale that I'm working off of. So I have my C sharp, which is the second or ninth, and my fifth, which is the F sharp. In my right hand, I have a B, which is like a double sharp seven. I'll explain that in a second. I have an E, which is my fourth and 11th within this scale. And then I have a G sharp, which is the sixth or the 13th. So again, it sounds like this. If I put C in the bass, you're gonna hear some tension here. You're thinking, there's no way that sounds good. Wait until you hear it in context. Okay, so where's the double sharp seven? What the heck, where is that? I'm actually borrowing, that note is not in the diminished, the seventh mode of the harmonic minor scale. That note is being borrowed from the half whole diminished scale. Uh, I'm sorry, whole half diminished scale, uh, synthetic scale that is used commonly over the diminished chord. And we'll we'll get, I haven't done a podcast on uh, synthetic scales like whole half diminished and half whole diminished and so forth. Uh, that's coming. But just know that I'm borrowing that B from the uh, whole half diminished scale that is commonly used over the diminished chord, okay? So my option one again, C sharp, F sharp, B, E, G sharp. Okay, now, Secondary option two. I start with G sharp in my left hand, followed by C sharp. In my right hand, I have F sharp, B, and E. So I have this. Very nice. Let me put C in the bass. Again, you're gonna hear some tension. Wow, you're thinking, there's no way, right? Wait, wait till you hear these in context. So what I have going on here, I have G sharp, which is like my sixth or 13th of the scale, C sharp, which is the second or the ninth of the scale, 
F sharp, which is my fifth, my B, which is that borrowed note from the whole half diminished scale. It's like a double sharp seven. And then my E, which is my fourth or my 11th. So secondary option one for the diminished, C diminished. Secondary option two for C diminished. Okay. I told you there's a lot of thinking that goes on with this, uh, uh, these options for the diminished. So don't freak if you're listening to everything I just talked about in the last five minutes and you're like, man, I'm totally lost. Normal, totally normal. So don't worry about it right now. We're just going after the shapes and then we can understand the theory afterwards, okay? And understand the theory down the road. So now let's take a listen to these secondary options, voicing options for the diminished chord in context and let's see how they sound. Here we go. You're surprised, aren't you? Not bad, right? You probably still heard some tension in there, but much better than when I was just isolating it. You're going like, hmm, wait a minute. Just wait. Wait till you now hear them when I bring in the primary voicings and I use them alongside the primary voicings. Once I put the secondary, the primary and secondary voicings together, it all starts to make sense and it sounds fantastic. So let's, uh, why delay? Let's do that, right? So here we go. I'm going to actually play all the, the major, dominant, minor, half diminished and diminished chords using two primary voicing options that I discussed in last week's podcast and two secondary voicing options that I just outlined in today's podcast. And I'm going to play those four options, two primary, two secondary, for major, dominant, minor, half diminished, and diminished sounds. So you're going to hear these voicings as they work and complement one another. Uh, as I play, as I play in an ensemble setting, I place them in context with my guitarist playing a little solo. So the guitarist is going to solo and I am going to play these voicings behind the soloist. Primary and secondary voicings. Let's check it out.
Was I right? Uh-huh. They sound fantastic, don't they? Those are great voicings. You can see how I can move sound around, right? When I have options, I have four different options that I'm using for major, four different options for dominant, four options for minor, half diminished and diminished. This gives me a pretty good arsenal, right? I can move sound around uh, underneath the soloist. Uh, I can um, create harmonic movement and interest. Uh, and it sounds fantastic. And this is what you hear jazz pianists doing when they're comping behind a soloist. So I hope you have found this Jazz Piano Skills podcast lesson on two-handed voicings, part two, to be insightful, comforting, and of course, beneficial. I would encourage you to go back and listen to two-handed voicings, last week's podcast on two-handed voicings, part one, and listen to this podcast again, two-handed voicings, part two. It will take you some time to get it uh, all sorted out conceptually, a little bit of time, it takes a little bit of study, uh, but it's well worth it because it will start to make sense conceptually, then it starts to develop physically. And to help you with that, I want to remind you once again that there is a supplemental educational guide last for last week's podcast on Two-Handed Voicings Part 1 and for this week's podcast, Two-Handed Voicings Part 2. You can download each guide from jazzpianoskills.com. Simply click on the podcast link on the homepage and you will find this episode along with last week's episode, along with all of my podcasts and the supplemental guides for each. And again, the guides beautifully notate the content, these voicings um, from this podcast and last week's podcast in all 12 keys. So you have them laid out for you in all 12 keys. It's a great resource to have in your jazz piano library and to use it as a reference when you're practicing. I personally would print them out. I'd have them sitting right there on the piano uh, as a reference, as a visual cue uh, to help me as I'm practicing. Again, great resource to have in your jazz piano library and to reference when you're practicing. So be sure to check it out at jazzpianoskills.com. And don't forget, this week, Half price, $2.50. Are you kidding me? $2.50. I'm about ready to go to lunch and I can't even, heck, I can't even get a Coke for $2.50. So check it out, jazzpianoskills.com. And while you're there, check out my courses as well. If you're wanting to study this topic and other jazz piano skills extensively, uh, I encourage you to check out the courses. My courses are packed with comprehensive lessons that explore essential jazz piano skills. And each lesson of each course, and there are six in each course, are, have contained detailed instruction and illustrations, in-depth educational talks, much like my podcast, interactive learning media, uh, traditional guides and worksheets that you can download and print out. And I call it paper practice. They're awesome. There's play-along tracks and lead sheets to utilize as well. And of course, there's professional and personal educational support. And one thing that I absolutely love are the courses are 100% accessible, mobile access to all my courses and lessons using any of your smart devices, whether that be your desktop or laptop computer, your phone or your tablet, your TV or your watch. Connect to any of the courses using any of your smart devices. So again, jazzpianoskills.com, check it out. Finally, hey, 
I don't want you to be a scaredy cat. Get out there, go to the Jazz Piano Skills forums, start asking questions, start answering questions, start making some new friends. Again, there is a forum specifically for this podcast. So if you have some questions regarding voicings, get out there and ask some questions and let's get some activity going. And likewise, there are forums for each one of my Jazz Pianos courses as well. So again, go to jazzpianoskills.com, click on the forum link, and begin engaging in conversations. You'll be glad that you did, and you're lear- you're, you are going to learn a ton. So that's it for now. And until next week, please enjoy this amazing journey. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.